1: Good morning, everybody. You're listening to Get the Funk Out. I'm your host, Janine, and this is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I have a very special guest who's called in, and I just finished watching his film, Love at a Certain Age. It was in the Newport Beach Film Festival as well as other festivals. Logan Hendricks is going to join me in a few minutes. I want to tell you a little bit about this film. It's, It's so touching. It's really, really worth seeing, especially if you have grandparents that are alive, or you've had relationships, very strong relationships with um, grandparents who are, you know, you're seeing your family get older. It's just extremely touching. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Okay, here we go. Think dating is hard when you're 20? Try 70, 80, or even 100. You're old. You don't see quite as well. You want to find someone to share your remaining days with, but you're running out of time. Gilbert Delgado just broke up with his on-again, off-again girlfriend of seven years. He's single, 72 and on the prowl. As eccentric as he is stubborn, divorced three times, but still undeterred. He's unabashedly driven to find the love of his life. I'm not going to read any more, but I want to uh, just throw out the website, loveatacertainage.com. It's my pleasure to welcome Logan Hendricks. Hi, Logan.
2: Hi, how's it going?
1: Great. So glad you could call in.
2: Thank you for uh, for having me.
1: This film is so touching, as I was telling you off air. How tell tell me a little bit about your backstory, because I know this is your f- first film, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. You mean the backstory of the film, or I guess your the backstory, backstory of, of you. One. you?
1: What what is your background?
2: Well, uh, I went to film school. Uh, I I knew when I was probably about thirteen or fourteen years old that I wanted to make documentary films, which is kind of kind of rare, funny. <laughs> Uh, I, nice. I had watched a film called American Movie, mm-hmm. which uh, way back it had won the Grand Jury Prize at Sundance. It's, it's kind of this documentary about a filmmaker's struggles to make a, to make a film, and it's, I mean, it's just hilarious. But it was a, a very character-driven piece. I think that's what struck me right off the bat, and, and kind of from there I was hooked. Uh, I just nice. tried to watch as many docs as I possibly could. Um, I went to film school kind of focusing on documentaries, I got to work with a ton of of really talented filmmakers, whether, you know, first you start off as a PA and I kind of worked my way up uh, and eventually became an editor. I had a filmmaker that I worked a lot with and he always pushed upon me to to be an editor because he had told me that that was kind of the best way to learn how to tell a story. Sure, Um, because you have have
1: an eye for how everything comes together.
2: Exactly, exactly. Uh, So, you know, I I probably did that for a good five or six years uh, while I graduated film school. And then after film school for a while, it's kind of how I made my money. I was alternating between editing other filmmakers' projects while I was working in television, uh, trying to support myself. So that was, yeah, that was kind of the beginning of it. I I knew that I wanted to make my own film. Uh, I met Kyle uh, we actually went to the same film school, but we were working on a, a pilot television show together, and uh, we kind of just clicked with the way we liked documentaries. And we decided, hey, let's, it's time for us to go go out and make our own.
1: Did you write a full on script of how you wanted this docu- documentary to un- unravel, or how did that come come about?
2: No, you know, uh, the the very beginning of it was, funnily enough, one of my my grandmother, who's since passed away, she uh came back and told the story to my brother and I uh that she went to this widow's group that her friend had kind of dragged her to and she was amazed because all of the women that came to this group had packed overnight bags. And really? Yeah. So <laughs> I it was the first I guess you want to call it eye opening experience and, and my grandma was laughing about it and I had I I was just like anybody else I guess I'd never really thought about the fact that there would have been, you know, people that are in their eighties or nineties that, that are still going out and, and whether it'd be dating or you know something like that, it just it was it was so foreign to me and I thought, wow, that's that's such a great such a great idea. Yes. Uh, so I just kinda let it sit there for a couple of years and then when, like I said, I met Kyle, we started kind of formulating a plan, a rough sketch of what we thought would be the best. And and what interest, interested us the most was the idea that there's these different paths, you know, that you're, no matter who you are, there's a universal kind of form to all relationships. You're either going to be single when you're older, you know, mm-hmm. unfortunately you could be widowed, or if you're lucky, you're going to still be married. So we, we thought that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to try to focus on the different paths. Yeah exactly, yeah, exactly.
1: And so Kyle Clark is your partner on this.
2: Yes. Yes. I'm sorry. He wanted to be on this, but he's, doing what we kind of have to do sometimes, which is go out and shoot television for a whole while. So, oh, of course, of course. Yeah, he's, he's out and about doing that.
1: So what are the kind of things that you were working on before this, the f- different film and television shows?
2: Uh, You know, I just think I, I've been doing a lot of editing for commercials uh, for friends that, you know, that had their own production companies. I had worked on a documentary with a really talented filmmaker named Rex Miller. Uh, he had done one called So Me which was the story of this, um, this kid from Uganda who was this exceptionally talented tennis player, mm-hmm. and he was kind of in the war-torn area of Uganda. And, and this was kind of previous to any of the, all these, you know, Uganda films or Africa films that have been coming out now, which is I, I definitely have to credit him for. Uh, so I was editing with him, and, and again, just kind of picking up any edit work I could, as, as well as we both worked quite a bit in reality television, uh, you know, in, in different capacities. It's trying to keep us busy.
1: This is, I'm, maybe I'm wrong, but probably one of the most meaningful things you've ever done.
2: Oh, absolutely. With, without a question. Yes. Uh, yeah, there, it, it, it has been.
1: So I want to tell you, when I was watching the film, the first couple minutes, you know, that either grabs somebody or loses somebody, and I blurted out, wow, this is edited so well. <laughs> because it really it just you you bring everybody right in to capture the feeling of Florida and you know, I mean, how did you decide on the location? Is that where your grandmother was living?
2: Uh, yeah, my other grandma lived down there. Uh, so we were very lucky she she lives in Venice, Florida. Mm-hmm. We thought we'd read an article that at the time Venice had the old, the oldest average age in the United States, like per capita. So we thought that's a perfect place to start. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we drove down, and again, yeah, I was very fortunate. My grandmother lived there, so we had stayed with her, and we just we had about a month off. But we had saved enough money, uh, so we just stayed down there and, and hung out. We hung out at, at the senior friendship centers. We hung out at the American Legion, the Elks, the Moose—you name it. If there was you know an, uh, a dining or a bar or a clubish scene where there were seniors, both Kyle and I were there. And, uh, you know, we weren't really forcing anything on anyone. We were just kind of trying to meet as many people as we could until we found who we thought would would best work with the film.
1: That's incredible. So was it hard for people to have trust in you?
2: Uh, you know what? No. I, I. Part of me wants to say yes, just mm-hmm. to, to show that we, we had to prove ourselves right off the bat. but. It was kind of the opposite. Everybody down there was just so friendly and that's so nice. inviting, and 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 you know they wanted to tell their stories. More importantly,
1: that's uh, nice.
2: You know, it was it was a big thing, you know. And, and I, of course, we had to gain everyone's trust, but but again, it, it wasn't it wasn't a long drawn out process. I think once they knew what we wanted to portray, and you know they did trust us, it was it was fairly simple.
1: Did your whole goal kind of change along the? process of meeting these people like did you end up going in a few other directions or did your direction pretty much stay the same during
2: absolutely changed actually quite a bit Mm -hmm. uh you know kyle and i every we'd shoot all day and then we'd come back at night and we'd log all of our footage and watch over it and take notes uh and very quickly it changed uh just you know right in front of our eyes i i I don't think that it would have been or we had foreseen it to be such a relationship-only piece, like there were all these other things that were going on down there. Like, for instance, uh, at the very beginning, we were very interested in this this idea of what was called the casserole brigade. What was it? Uh, the casserole
1: brigade. The, the casserole brigade. Okay.
2: Brigade. Yeah. Okay. It's basically it's when a male, mostly male, loses his wife. Uh, the women in the community. All bake their best casserole dish, bring it to him, oh. and he chooses kind of his next wife after who oh has gosh. the best dish. Yeah. So, you know, these were these were these concepts that we thought were amazing. You know, we're like, oh, I can't wait to, it's
1: to unbelievable. Uh,
2: yeah. Shed yeah. light. Um, but once we met our characters, their stories just slowly started to take over to where we knew that that wasn't the piece that we wanted to make anymore.
1: It's interesting. I have a. I went to graduate school at Boston University and I learned about when you're interviewing people looking for themes. And so you can go in with your, you know, your thesis, what you think you're going to find. But sure. then as start people start telling you things or surprising things, you you go in a different direction. And it sounds like this is what happened.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I, I couldn't agree more. I, you know, that's been great advice from filmmakers that I've met too, is that, you know, you, you want to keep focused on the task at hand, but at the same time, if you're not ready to to kind of change yourself or, or the flow of whatever's going on with the film, then you're really not listening to the story that's being presented. So that was a big thing for both Kyle and I. You know, we always every night we talked about, okay, is this the direction that the story's going? You know, we we wanted to be very hands off. You know, I mean, you've seen the film. We we didn't yes. want to put ourselves in the film ever. We didn't want to ever make it about like you know our filmmaking experience, you know meeting these people. It was never that. It was character, character, character. So yes, uh, we're, we're proud of that.
1: Uh, it's interesting. My grandmother lived in Florida as well, and she was so funny. And and I've actually um, written uh, you know a script, and I've stopped, and then I've rewritten, and I'm I just want to get it done all, already. But it's a it's a <laughs> comedy, and the reason it's a comedy is because my grandmother would be the only woman with. Bleached, blonde, straight hair. Everybody else would have perfectly coiffed, you know, gray hair. They'd gone to the beauty parlor. And she'd come down in a tux, a, a man's tux. And, you know, everybody was wearing dresses. And I just thought she was so clever. And yeah. even her comments to me in the elevator, she would play on somebody's name and be kind of a little bit off color. But it was funny. And she'd whisper something in my ear just to get a laugh out of me. And, and I just, I love that you capture different characters and their, their quirks. But they're
3: real.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, there, there was, a, it's like you said, you know, you just, your eyes, they just open up when you're down there. The mm-hmm. the, the characters that you meet, and, and again, I mean, the, these are people that have been on this earth for 70, 80, 90, 100 years, so, mm-hmm. you know, they, they've they built up quite a bit of life stories to tell you, and, and you you know, if you're not willing to listen, then you're just not ever going to appreciate what they have to say. It's, just, it's, it's amazing, incredible, incredible experiences and stories.
1: I can't believe the ages of some of these people in the film. I mean, you know, they married 70 years. Yeah. That's unbelievable. And the love, and they're talking about how they feel about each other, and they're crying, or they're choked up. And then all the things they've had to face, I don't want to give away too much, but they have to face so many things, and they just keep going.
2: Yeah, yeah, and and you know it's okay if you have to give it a little bit away because I know it's kind of tough to talk about the film otherwise. Uh, but but you're exactly right, and and going back to the idea of how much we had written down or quote unquote scripted, you know, such so very little. We uh we could never try to find somebody as perfect as as Dick and By, who you're talking about, mm-hmm, who, mm-hmm. who are both in their nineties and they've been together for seventy years. You know, they that they just. It, it, there's no one more real than those two. Like you know, it was it'd be yes. tough when you'd shoot it because you would like start tearing up yes. and you'd see them talking about themselves. Yeah, you know, it was not, unbelievable.
1: I mean, here she had been hospitalized. He has this. She has that. Back and forth, and back and forth. And then it was hysterical. The scene in the kitchen where she's trying the vodka and he's like, "Get a glass," <laughs> and she's swilling from the bottle. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, they're great. I, I they just, were great. I
1: loved how real. I mean, you couldn't have staged that. They were just real. Yeah. Great, great people. And so tell me about... So Kyle, was he... Did he also have experience with a grandparent or a closeness to somebody?
2: You know, he he was close with his grandmother, who, mm-hmm. who actually lived in Florida as well. But I think she, she had been getting pretty sick by the time we had started the film. Oh, I'm sorry. Unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, but but he did have the same family experiences. You know, he's mm-hmm. very close to everyone in his family. I'm the same. You know, we, we just... We uh, we kind of bonded on the filmmaking side That's first. Great. We we loved the same kind of films, and then secondarily, we both just loved this concept of the story of this idea, you know, and, and uh, we both thought it'd be a great great story to tell.
1: So tell me, where has this been uh, showing? I know it was in Newport.
2: Yeah, we we premiered it at Big Sky Film Festival, which is in Missoula, Montana, mm-hmm. uh, which is just. Uh, it was it was an incredible experience. Such a great festival. We love everything that they had. I mean, they were they were very uh, great towards the the filmmakers there. They really kind of forced you to be together, and we met a lot of great filmmakers while we were there. So it was a, a perfect place to open our film. That's great. Uh, after that, we screened down in Fort Myers, Florida, for their festival, uh, which again was an incredible festival. Plus, we got to have some of our characters come down to the actual screening oh, and then nice. you know, do the Q&A afterwards with us. Nice. Um, uh, we did First Glance in Hollywood, which was our L.A. premiere, and then Newport uh, Beach, I guess, just a few weeks ago. And, and it sounds like we've been, there's a couple others now that we've been accepted to that we're not really allowed to say anything about quite okay. yet. But it looks like we'll, we'll keep keep going on the festival. You've got to get to New York. You got to Yeah, get, exactly.
1: You definitely have to get to New York.
2: Yeah, we're, we, we hope so. We, we're, there's a couple of festivals there that we're, fingers crossed, are going to get into. There's some really great doc ones, and, and we're excited about it.
1: How long did it take you to do this film?
2: Uh, shooting took place over about the course of a year, a little mm-hmm. over a year. Um, I was editing, or, you know, Kyle and I were kind of swapping back and forth, and we were doing stuff, but it, it kind of, it took longer than we wanted because we were financing the film up front by ourselves so we would shoot down in florida for two months and then we'd fly out and go work on television shows for a month and a half so we could make our money back and then we'd fly right. back down to florida so that we did that over the course of a year and then it took probably about another eight months to, to edit the thing together so you know all together it was about two years
1: what a process
2: yeah yeah it's a uh, and you know you, you feel like it's done you're all excited when the film's out there and you're like wow here we go i'm Finally, I've got this thing off my back, and, and you realize quickly that no, the process is really just beginning.
3: Oh
2: yeah, uh, with you know with festivals, and then you there's the business side of it where you're trying to get your film sold, and you're trying to you know get as many people as you can to watch it. So it's it's definitely been a, a learning experience.
1: Did the people that were in it get to see it?
2: Yes, they have. Uh, they we when I went down for the Fort Myers Film Festival, I brought a copy. Uh, and I got to show both Dick and Vi and their whole family, and they they loved it. Uh, you know, which we couldn't have been more appreciative towards. Mm-hmm. Um, Max got to see it when he loved it, and then uh, Gilbert, who's he and and his on and off again girlfriend Judy, both of them watched it. <laughs> and and you know, I, I I'll be completely honest, and I told them before, I, I was nervous just because they're they're. Gilbert especially, is very, very honest. You know, it's, mm-hmm. we, we, we caught him at a moment in his life where he had just broken up with her, and, and that, that wound was very, very fresh. Yes. So he was just speaking off, off the head, you know, and he didn't mean ever anything bad. It's just kind of what people do when they're angry sometimes. I know. Um, which, again, is why we love Gilbert. And, and they couldn't have responded to the film any better, is what I'll say. They, That's great. you know... Yeah, in fact, it it kind of brought them closer in a very funny way. Oh, that's great. You
1: know, it was kind of funny. I remember towards the beginning of the film when he was saying, I'm fine, I'm done, I'm (laughs) good, and he's telling this woman, and he reminded me, you know, of like me years ago, like what women do, like, I'm done, I'm over it, I don't think about it. And then he goes on to this whole thing about her, and and it was just funny. It was
2: really funny. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it, right? I mean, I think the beauty of this film was that, we can, we always talk about the universality of relationships, but it's really true. When you know when Kyle and I are sitting there and we're editing it, we're laughing, saying we've done that. You know that like when Gil, you're exactly right. When Gil's saying that, it's like we, I've sat there and said those exact same things. Like, oh, I'm good. I'm I'm over that relationship. Yeah. But you just you know when someone isn't, and and it was just so obvious in the footage that he wasn't. And and uh, it's just I don't know. It's a, it's a huge it's a huge part when you're. Trying to deal with something like that, so it was uh, it was great to be able to capture. It.
1: it was, and and over the course of the film, I remember thinking, "Gosh, I feel so bad for him. He seems so lonely, you know." And yeah. Just and just getting a glimpse into what it's like to be to be older. Yeah. And it it just you know just made you think about how you know they they love to dance and they they go out. I mean, here I'm looking, and the clock on the wall says eleven o'clock. I'm like, wow, he stays out late. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and they're just trying to find that connection with somebody.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, it's it's kind of been our our spiel to this whole process that, you know, the, again, the universality of relationships, the fact that these people, they still have the same insecurities that a 20- or 30- or 40-year-old has. Mm-hmm. You know, they still get nervous before a date. Um, and then, you know, you throw on top of that the all the years of, of you know, what they've actually referred to as emotional baggage. Mm-hmm. So you, it's definitely the same. But then there's also these other areas that are completely different. You know, you're you're you have whole new worries. And and now when you're out there dating, you're dating someone that has four grandchildren, and maybe their children aren't going to trust you. You know, there's just all these weird little intricacies of the relationships that are were, were very surprising to learn and and hear from from others.
1: Absolutely. By the way, if you're just tuning in, we're talking with Logan Hendricks, filmmaker of love at a certain age. This is Get the Funk Out. And let me ask you something. Have you ever found yourself in a personal, professional funk?
2: Personal, professional funk. Uh, Probably personal, yeah, but... Yeah, yeah.
1: How, how have you... able How are you able to pull yourself out of that?
2: Hard work. I that sounds kind of maybe uh, simple. Uh, you know, I think... Listen, I you know, it's any kind of art form mm-hmm. that you choose, uh, I think if you're if you're properly prepared or if you've talked to the right people you know that there are gonna be a lot of down periods oh, you know yes. periods where you question yourself question what you're doing you know you're you know, we've we spent a lot of money on the film so you're like ah oh, you know I could have been saving that money or you, know, you yeah. have all these things that are going through your head like it, are we gonna be able to make another film and I, I think the only way you can get through it is just by believing in what you want to do, and and just kind of putting your head down and working through it. It seems like every time I've yes. done that, when I come up for air, so to speak, it, things have gotten better, you know, and, and uh, with this film, it was a perfect example. You know, when we, when we first started putting it out there, you're just so nervous, and you're worried about the reception, and, and we didn't get into a couple of the really big festivals right off the bat, and so we're, oh,
3: that's you know, are so already hard.
2: questioning yourself, like, yes. is, this, is this good film, and, and then... Just keep kind of going at it and pushing and pushing, and then all of a sudden, good things start to happen.
1: You know, just perseverance. And you know what? If you don't believe in it, no one else is going to. Exactly. And you really do have to knock down all the negativity because, as you said, it's so hard when the first couple of whatever you send out in life, people knock it down. They're not interested, and you're thinking, okay, what did I just spend the past two years doing?
2: Ah, uh, exactly. Exactly. Come
1: on. <laughs> so meaningful. So meaningful. What do you see happening next for the two of you?
2: Uh, you know, we we've been kind of focusing solely on getting this this sold right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, our hope is that we can at least make our money back. You know, it's kind of always been our goal, uh, as well as use this as a as a as a card for for ourselves to try to make another film. We 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 both realize that making documentaries probably isn't the most lucrative uh, <laughs> thing that you can do for your life or career path, sure. but with that said, it's by far the most rewarding, especially when you're able to tell someone else's story and they appreciate it, and other people appreciate it. Uh, so I, I think that you know our, our goal is always to just continue to make more films. We, we have a few ideas right now that we've been kicking around, um, but yeah, our, our hope is just that we can get this thing out there, get as many people as we can to see it, hopefully get it sold, and, and go make another.
1: That's great. That's great. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about maybe something you learned from the people you met that maybe you were surprised about, if there's anything, you know, uh, something yeah. you learned about yourself. Again, we're talking with Logan Hendricks, filmmaker for Love at a Certain Age. I'm your host, Janine. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Hang tight.
0: The opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the management of KUCI or the UC Board of Regents. For more information about this show, go to KUCI.org. Out on the golf course, there are the obvious hazards. There's the pond, the bunker, the rough, the even rougher. Yeah, put me down for an eight. The giant maples, the row of houses out of bounds on the right, the angry flock of geese who've surrounded your ball, even the occasional groundskeeper you had no clue was there. But if you think you found every possible hazard out there, think again. The hazard you missed could actually be a killer. It's the spot on your skin, the one that could be skin cancer. Fact is, if you're a man over 50, you're in a group most likely to develop skin cancer, including melanoma, the kind that kills one person every hour. One in five Americans is likely to develop a form of skin cancer during their lifetime. That's why your best shot is to check for a spot. It's easy, follow through and check your skin. It could be the save of a lifetime. Go to SpotSkinCancer.org to find out how. A message from the American Academy of Dermatology.
4: When I have an asthma attack, I feel scared. It's like tiny nails in the air poke my lungs. I start to cough. Sometimes my parents have to take me to
1: the hospital.
0: Today, one out of 13 children suffer from some form of asthma, accounting for nearly one-third of all emergency room visits.
4: I feel like I'm choking. It's kind of like an elephant is on my chest. A little whistle sound comes out when I breathe.
0: But while your child may suffer from asthma, asthma doesn't have to make your child suffer. There are simple ways you can prevent your child's next attack. To learn more, call one 866 no That's 1-866-662-8822. Log on to www.noattacks.org or call your doctor because even one attack is one too many.
1: I feel like a fish with no water.
0: Brought to you by the EPA, the Ad Council, and this station.
1: Hi, you're back listening to Get the Funk Out. I'm your host, Janine. This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. We're back with Logan Hendricks. Hey, Logan.
2: Hey, how's it going?
1: Good, good. I'm getting some messages even on Facebook about our conversation right now. Oh, nice. The film. And uh, let me ask you, did you learn something from the people that you met during this whole process?
2: Uh, yeah absolutely absolutely I mean you know I could probably go on for hours alone just yeah. on on that subject but I, I would say I think the most important thing that Kyle and I walked away from was this idea or concept of personal contact okay. um, you know when we were at the senior Friendship Center, which is where a, a you know a big part of our film takes place it's kind of where a lot of the seniors go and they meet and they dance and they socialize. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there were a lot of people there that that is their only social connection left in their lives. And, and wow. you know, kind of when you just think about that, it's, it's really kind of scary or sad. You know, I yes. mean, there was, there was a, a guy that talked to us and said that, you know, he'd lost his wife 20 years prior. And there was, you know, maybe a year period where he didn't see his grandchildren, his his children. And he hadn't Ugh. been touched by anybody. Like, you know, someone hadn't touched him on the arm or he hadn't been hugged. Oh, how awful. And yeah, and, and you hear that and, you know, your heart just kind of sinks. And I think that was something that, that we took away as, as the, you know, these places, these friendship centers or, you know, the American Legions or Elks or Moose, there's there's so much more going on there. And this being able to socialize, especially at that age, is just so extremely important. And And if, you know, anyone is, listening or watches our film we always say if nothing else we just hope that makes you reach out and call your grandparents you know? absolutely uh, because it, it you know it's just, uh, it's just a sad sad idea that, that someone could be go that long without having any kind of real personal communication no
1: that's terrible I I love the scene where it was Max's birthday and everybody was hugging him and I love how you captured the look on his face
2: <laughs> yeah yeah, I mean, Max is just such a special human being in the first place, and everybody down there loved him. You know, we he, we met him our very first day of shooting. because <laughs> Yeah, we, we walked in, and everyone at the Friendship Center said, you got to meet Max. You've got to meet Max. <sighs> uh, and, uh, yeah, once we met him, we realized, yeah, well, I'm glad we met Max.
1: Absolutely. I mean, he's, he's incredible. He's an anomaly. I mean, to live <laughs> that long and be—he's so with it and just— goes on and on, and I love his little saying, you know, it just, it was, you really yeah. captured him.
2: Yeah, yeah, he he was amazing, you know, and, and again, things that were off camera, you know, someone would make a joke, or they'd say something, or Max would, you know, more, I guess, importantly, Max would make a joke, and it would go over somebody's head, and he would look at Kyle and I and wink, <laughs> and you would just think, this man is 101 years old, and he's like, we just had an inside joke between us, where he's laughing at the fact that, someone half his age didn't get his joke. That's like hysterical. It, it, you know, it's just amazing.
1: Do you think he's able to really be that sharp because he's just so social?
2: Yes. Oh, yeah. w- without a doubt. And, mm-hmm. and you know what? I think that's a huge thing with a film is in Florida in general. You know, I'm I'm from the Midwest originally. I was born and raised in Kansas, and the winters there are so rough. Like, I mean, you just, you don't want to go outside. When I'm a kid, I didn't want to go outside. I wanted to stay Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. And uh, when you're in Florida... There's no reason not to be out. You know, you're yes. sure it gets hot, but there's, there's so much activity down there. You know, my grandma lives down there. She's more active than I am. Like, I mean, just every day. <laughs> to a different class. It's, I think it's important.
1: That's great. I love it. I actually just um, flew back from New York. I saw my dad. He's in Connecticut. And uh, I took him to a community center. And he, he once in a while, he bumps into a friend of his he's known since grammar school. And I loved it. I walked back in to see him and he's just chatting and just the look on his face and they're both smiling and it was just great.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's, and there was a lot of that when we were there as well. You know, people that were in their nineties that have these stories of knowing each other since they were really young. And, you know, again, when you think about it, it's just like, that's, that's 80 years of a relationship, 80 years. That's right. And that's a whole lifetime.
1: That's right. When you were going through the editing process was there a lot of stuff you had to leave out
2: uh yeah yeah it was quite a bit of stuff we had to leave out you know um there there were some pretty funny moments that we had with our characters where we were worried that it could maybe change uh, the dynamic of i guess our our different groups Um, but with that said you know i think there were really touching stories that we had for instance Uh, Max, you know, he's 101. uh, He's 103 now, by the way. He's
1: 103.
2: Yeah, he's 103 now. Uh, He, he, you know, his whole backstory is so interesting because his family escaped from Poland when they were being occupied. Oh my god! And you know, he tells the story as it was yesterday. He talks about how he and his parents they like lost their the tickets on a boat at the last second. And so they had to pay to get onto stowage, which is in the very bottom of a boat. So they basically he rode from Europe over to Ellis Island on the bottom of a boat, where he tells stories of people throwing bread at him from above the ship. Oh
1: my god! And I
2: mean, just you know, it's like you know, this man went through Ellis Island. You know, he he, unbelievable. (laughs) It's it's stuff that you only read about in books. Um, And then you know, Dick and Vide. Dick, Dick was in the Navy and he fought during, like, the battles of Guadalcanal, you know, some of the, the, the biggest and craziest wars or stories that we've heard, you know, in a long, long time. And uh, you know, the, I mean, the man's a hero. Mm-hmm. And he would tell us stories about when he was coming back, when they would come and dock the United States, generally in California somewhere, um, he wanted to let Vi know where he was, and he wasn't supposed to let Vi know where he was. So mm-hmm. he would... Get a thumbtack and poke a hole in a map where they were going to be landing, really, and then write her a little note, you know, just saying "I love you, miss you." Mail it to her, and then she would be there when he would land.
1: Oh my gosh, that is incredible.
2: I mean, so these are like you know real romance stories from you know a couple that obviously have loved each other for a very long time. But you know, just you know things like that, you just it breaks your heart to leave out of the film. Uh, But sometimes you just kind of have to hit the floor.
1: Right, right. Maybe you give it to their family or something, so they have forever or something. Absolutely. Do you have advice for people who want to do what you're doing?
2: You know, I'd say it would go back to the hard work and keeping your head down. Mm -hmm. I think, I think that if you have an idea that you really believe in and you want to make it happen, there's really no reason why you can't, especially with Technology today, you know, you, you can really afford to have a, something that's going to look good with a camera and and with post, you can still edit your own work.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: you know, and I don't think that you can let time be a factor. I, I think that you can't be worried about that. You don't want to rush it. You know, if if, if it's going to take you a couple years, then it takes you a couple years. You know, if it's three right. or four years, and it's three or four years.
1: Yes. Well, Uh, excuse me, it's like what I was saying, how I went through the UCI screenwriting program, and I still kick myself like, okay, when am I going to finish my rewrite, my second rewrite? And it's, you know, but I keep getting more and more ideas the longer I wait, which is kind of funny. And then I, you end up making a better product, I think.
2: Oh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. If if I would have made this film by myself, or if Kyle and I would have done this three, four years ago, it wouldn't have been as good, you know, I, I just... I've learned so much in that period of time just watching other filmmakers or, you know, just from editing. You know, I know I've become a better editor over 10 years of editing. Like, it's just the more you work and the more you, you really put yourself towards something, you're going to get better. You know, you yes. you, you can't help but get better. So yes. I, I think that while obviously you don't want to tinker with something forever, it's you're always going to be able to be in a, a better spot than before You know, if you continue to learn.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. Now, what would you suggest for the person that just, they want to do this, they don't have a lot of time, maybe just start slowly or find a little bit of time here and there?
2: Yeah, you know, I think depending on what your topic is, research it. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I probably sat around and read for a good six months just other, you know, old uh, books on gerontology or books on seniors and relationships, you know, just to kind of get an idea of what might be said to us, you know, just so when I would interview some of these people, I, I would kind of have a, a base or a ground to stand on, you know, just knowing other people's stories. So I, I think I think that you, the worst thing to do is to do nothing, you know, mm-hmm. the worst thing to do is to be like, I have this idea, but I'm not going to think about it. I think you've got to, in some ways, obsessed over it. You've got to think about it every day and, and really really have yourself ready and prepared so when, when you do have the time, you're ready to go. That, that was kind of our situation. We, we both had schedules open up. We had the money, and we're like, all right, got to do this now.
1: Yes, so. yes. Where would you like to see this go?
2: Uh, well, it would be great. If we could get it sold to uh, anywhere on television, really. Mm-hmm. So more people could see it. And, and then video on demand is, is a, a big thing for us, too. You know, iTunes, Netflix. Uh, Hulu, wherever, wherever, Video On Demand, just because, you know, we, we're just as guilty as anyone else. I'll sit there and I'll just scroll through Netflix looking at documentaries, uh, and I have a pretty good idea of what's out, and, you know, still find things or trip onto things that I've never heard of, and uh, okay. we would really like that. You know, we'd like for people to be scrolling through and say, oh, you know, what's this, and watch it and, and become fans. That would be great.
1: Well, I wish you the best of luck. Can you throw out your website for everyone?
2: Yeah, it's www.loveatacertainage.com. And then we also have a Facebook page where uh, we like to keep things updated uh, from week to week.
1: Well, I appreciate you calling into the show. I really enjoyed seeing the film. And there is a trailer on the website, loveatacertainage.com.
2: That's right. And thank you so much for, for having me. It's been great.
1: Oh, you're so welcome. Take care and good luck with everything.
2: Thank you very much.
1: That was Logan Hendricks, filmmaker from Love at a Certain Age. I'm your host, Janine. You've been listening to Get the Funk Out. If you've missed any part of this show, it will be up on my website within about an hour, which is getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. And if you'd like to find out about being a guest on the show, it's very easy. Just send an email to Janine, that's J-A-N-E-A, N-E-J-A-N-E-A-N-E at KUCI.org. Up next, about 15 minutes, we're gonna have Sheldon Abbott with Cure for the Blues. We're gonna take a quick break.
4: It takes 12 years to create a graduate. It takes about the same time to create a dropout. The difference between a child becoming one or the other could be you. Studies prove that reading to a child regularly dramatically improves reading skills. And kids who read well by third grade are four times as likely to graduate. So United Way is calling for one million volunteers over the next three years. We're asking you to step up. Make a pledge. Tutor a child who needs help. Mentor a kid who needs someone on their side. Volunteer to read to children. Make a difference. Because when a child advances, we all advance. Entire communities improve. The path to success or failure starts long before graduation day. And the difference between a graduate and a dropout could be you. Be a reader. Tutor or mentor, give, advocate, volunteer. Live United. Take the pledge. Go to liveunited.org now. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council.
3: Close your eyes for a moment. Now imagine you're away from it all. Beside a crystal clear mountain stream, the cool grass crunches underfoot. Take a deep breath and drink in the sound of water cascading over the stones as birds call out from above. A real paradise like this isn't easy to come by, but it does still exist. And with your help, places like this one can last forever. You see, the Nature Conservancy works locally with communities, businesses, and people like you to preserve the most precious natural places around the world. They protect the animals that live there, the plants that grow there, and even the water. That way, this beautiful place will be beautiful forever. And we'll make sure that closing your eyes will never be the only way to get there. I'm Paul Newman. Help the Nature Conservancy save the last great places.
1: Visit the Nature Conservancy at nature.org. That's nature.org.